podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Here we go again then, ready for another ride on the Rams roller coaster. 12 weeks after that crazy final day, Rooney and the boys, or what's left of them, are bracing themselves for another gruelling championship campaign and we will be right there every step of the way on Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast as we return for a fifth season. I'm Chris Parsons, pre-season's greetings to everyone, thanks for listening. And ironically, we've actually got a fully fit competitive squad for this uh, pre-season special, our first episode of 2021-22. So with the help of some pre-season cliches, he's been building his fitness. It's Anton, you all right? All right. I'm not sure about fully fit, but we're all here. We're all here. (laughs) (laughs) He's uh, he's planning on surprising a few people this year. It's it's Tom Martin. Hello to you. Full of surprises, mate. Full of surprises. And he couldn't wait to get the balls out. It's Richard Kutcher. Hello. I'm not sure what you mean by that. And I'm not sure what you mean by full of uh, Ricardo, full of surprises either. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued as much as everyone else is by all of this. So. And I, I wrote that you're all fully fit before learning of your latest disgusting hangover. So um, I just had to, I, I assumed and I assume wrong. But um, good good summer, gents. I mean, I assume yours, like mine, peaked at the exact moment when Luke Shaw arrived at the back stick to connect with, uh, with Kieran Trippi's cross, right? Yeah, I mean, that was... That everything building up to that in the tournament uh, was fantastic. I know not. I know not all club football fans are huge England fans. I know I certainly am one, and I think uh, the other three of you are. You certainly get involved in the England scene, and particularly last couple of years, it's been great. It's just a pleasure to fi- uh, follow that team. It was devastating on, on Sunday night after the final. I was I was kind of upset, but kind of kind of take it. But the next day on Monday, I was just completely deflated. Um, for a few days I would say yeah I saw it the other way around I was devastated on the night but then I was kind of over it the next day but so what was your like non-England moment of the year is that I think for me obviously quite a few and I'm there's probably some that I have forgotten but the one one of the ones that sticks in my head was um, Denmark's either third or fourth goal against is that the Christensen goal was he the big centre back yeah it was like a shot on goal yeah. and the keeper saved it and it came out to that big Danish centre back and he just absolutely twatted it amazing moment great goal great story uh, what, what was Anton what was your like non-England Euros moment the, the standout had to be I mean what a tournament it was yeah. I, I think it was potentially my favourite international tournament that I that I can remember I, I wasn't really old enough for Euro 96 so um, probably probably up there with with my favourite tournaments, but the the standout has to be that night um, in the second round where Spain beat Croatia five three after extra time, followed by that unbelievable France Switzerland game. Two absolute beasts of games. Um, I can't remember a better day of international football. Right, I, I was going to say that I thought I thought that the uh, tournament had peaked when uh, yeah. we watched that Spain Croatia game. Then it got even better the night after, to the point where it was ten minutes to go, and I was a bit tired uh, in the France Switzerland game, and France were winning three one, and I was like. I might go to bed and I thought no this tournament's been ridiculous it looked dead and buried at it, that point though it, it, it did didn't five it? minutes to go yeah, yeah I, was, I was playing Age of Empires that night so I actually missed <laughs> I, I thought well France won't lose to Switzerland so I, let's just play a bit of Age of Empires and then I turned it on literally as Switzerland were winning like, I think I, I some people call us nerds on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> my, my one was actually the same as yours Chris's it was the Den- Denmark-Russia game because of all the emotion involved with Christian Eriksen and you know, to you know, to lose their first two games in the, in the circumstances they were, and then just to ride that wave of emotion and the atmosphere at the Park and Stadium just looked different level. Actually, no, was that at St Petersburg? Actually, sorry, was that match? But no, the, it was Park and Stadium. That was yeah. Park and Stadium. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the Christensen goal and them just get them getting through. I was concerned when England played them because I just thought mm. the, the story and all mm. that. But um, what a tournament! I agree with Anton. It was, I do remember your United Six, but I think as a whole tournament. I don't think anything competes with uh, Euro 2021. De- def- definitely football-wise. I mean, yeah. it, it was a bit strange with kind of lack of fans and I, I wasn't really overly convinced with the fact that it was spread out across the whole of Europe. 
because uh, it didn't really have a much of an identity but from a footballing perspective definitely the best for me potentially on popular opinion i like the uh the fact that there wasn't so much jeopardy on it but there was real interest for some of the teams like hungary or or the smaller nations and like wales as well who got, got through in third place and switzerland i think were one of those and um, i quite like that i did did enjoy it and i like the fact there was an extra game round as well um made it made it as exciting as the world cup and it's sort of carried on since then really we will talk about derby eventually but it's, it's been a great <laughs> sporting to? summer i'm afraid so it's been a yeah it's just rolled on after the euros really like non-football wise olympics been great so far we're halfway through it as we record standout moment for me I, d- I didn't know that there was like such a big swimming scene that was huge like the uh that video that video of tom dean's family and yeah. um in maidenhead all watching at three o'clock in the morning and then going absolutely nuts when he got the gold, someone lets off a flare at the end. <laughs> I missed, I missed at three o'clock in the morning. I missed the flare. <laughs> I missed the. Uh, I missed the flare. No, that was that was fantastic. I'm not normally a huge swimming fan, but some of the lads that they've been interviewing after seem like sound blokes. And uh, yeah, the Olympics is always great. Again, I wasn't convinced by this Olympics. I could kind of take it or leave it with the time difference and the lack of fans. But it's been a great way to start the day. It's an I mean, emotional way to start the day. Um, most most mornings. I thought we were going to be able to claim. Adam Peaty. I thought Derby would be all over that, but it turns out he's a Forest fan, which is uh, yeah. was a bit of a shame. But, oh well, you can't win them all. So, yeah, we are back. And once again, the podcast is partnered with our good friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. More on them later, as we're, uh, we're really excited to tell you about even more podcasts we'll be releasing this year. Now we are on uh, Patreon. But the season's a few days away, lads, about about a week give or take depending on when you listen uh derby's 14th consecutive year in the championship but i'll be honest in my 30 years of supporting this club i'm not sure i've ever gone into a campaign with these levels of of concern of anxiety of pessimism before it's fair to say it's been a pretty chaotic pre-season if we're being generous people many people would use you know were significantly worse than that for our club. Embargoes, the embargo's been lifted slightly. Um, a squad which barely survived last year is getting thinner by the week. And that's before we even get on to the takeover, which we're probably not going to try and talk about that much because nothing's really happened. This is meant to be a time, Tom, when, you know, it's, it's like glass half full. It's like pre-season optimism. It's, all, it's when the hopes and dreams start to bubble up. You're like, is it going to be our year? But... It's, you can't really get into that mindset right now with Derby, can you? Like, what is your current pre-season optimism level out of 10? And minus numbers don't count. <laughs> I was really hoping you didn't ask me that question, Chris, because it, it is really difficult to, to feel optimistic when you see the news headlines, you read the fact that we haven't been taken over still, and we've only got, I think it's nine first-team professionals, of which one is out for two to three months, and another one is a... Well, two of them are goalkeepers. So um, in terms of optimism for this season, I... You need to give it another seven days before we get to the first day of the championship season. And in fact, I think you need to give it until the end of August when hopefully some things have changed. Hopefully we can sign some players because uh, we desperately need we need something somewhere. Out of 10? Uh, well, I'm not allowed negative, so one uh, currently. It's, it's really con- it is really concerning. I don't think you can, I don't think you can hide that. It, it has been quite refreshing to see some of the Derby fan base becoming a little bit more optimistic certainly after the Betis game and after Man United as well it's it's optimism that I've not seen amongst the Derby fan base for several months but I have to agree with Tom a little bit on this one and not share the optimism of the the Derby fan base so there, there have been some very slim shreds of optimism from as I mentioned the Betis game and spells in the Man United game as well to to make me think that Rooney has started to address some of the issues from last year on the field at least certainly Mm. going forward we're trying to get it forward a little bit quicker get men into the box a little bit quicker which is one of the pain points last season made it difficult to watch at times made us one of the lowest scorers in, in the division so that has given me a very slight glimmer of optimism but I'm still probably at a, a two out of ten um, slightly higher than Tom but that so many issues around players and, and off the field issues um, 
it's hard to really see us uh, if, if nothing changes kind of avoiding relegation at the moment the the optimism there is tempered for me because some of the players who have been quite exciting going forward like Aluko and, and Morrison as an example both of those players are trialists and therefore aren't playing for us so whilst whilst that's good a club could come in tomorrow and sign them up and until we sign them uh, and I'd like to sign both of them on their showings that they've given us uh, until we sign them I can't get optimistic about something we don't own I mean, I feel, I feel like I feel like at least to register a five out of ten, you have to be able to field a team of eleven senior players. So, well, let me let me. I mean, I was I kind of agree with everything you've all said, and it's it's easy to say it's a one or, a one or two out of ten optimism wise, and it's you it's you we probably shouldn't judge a team on including the, the six whatever trialists there are currently with us and and the players who are still with us who are out of contract. Um, because they're not currently our players. So I, I agree with Tom in that regard to a degree. I think so. You definitely can't, you definitely shouldn't be given this any more than five because of all the uncertainty, as you've explained. We don't, you know, we need new owners. We could get new owners tomorrow and we sign all these trialists and even then it's not a great squad, in my opinion, and he'd still need more more players than that as well. However, I'm going to bump it up slightly because, and again, uh, maybe it's a bit twee, but we're going to have fans back in stadiums we're going to have uh, emotion back in stadiums we're going to have soul back in football when just seeing like the couple of thousand fans at the Betis game I watched it on Rams TV was it's just nice to see Derby fans in Pride Park and that I'm looking forward to going to some games with you boys and some Pride Park games and some away games and yeah on the field it's hard to give it more than a two but the fact that we might have a red we can't call it a relatively normal season because it's Derby um, but a relatively normal season in terms of fans being back in stadiums and actually being able to go to games and then mean something again I'll give it a six everyone's written us off this year we we are kind of far and away favourites to go down no one thinks that we've got a single chance but if, if we can really get behind the team and our fans are, are really on side which I think they will be because everyone's everyone's just rooting for us to do something and, and kind of um, defy the odds so and, and the seasons and again I'm not saying this is going to happen but you know I think the George Burley second season and you think uh, the Billy Davis season I know that there was investment but it was you didn't, you didn't look at those squads at the start of the season and go we're going to get in the playoffs did you I'm not saying we're going to get in the playoffs but you just this is going to be a pretty crap season championship wise it's, a lot of clubs are in trouble a lot of clubs can't sign players a lot of clubs aren't investing it will probably be the, the relegated teams that lead the way which is boring but there'll be a lot of crap in the division so yeah I agree with you in the sense that yeah there's we're in an absolute state but there's a lot of teams who aren't in much better state aren't doing much better yeah but, but to be fair our, our squad wasn't good last season we we were narrowly good enough to avoid relegation and we've lost eight or nine players from that team so and, and we haven't added to it to yeah it, so. so Anton's mentioned there there have been a few departures over the summer before we get on to the players who we're going to be relying on this year uh, we've said, said goodbye to a few uh, Jordan Ibe Martin Waghorn Jack Marriott Scott Malone Tom Shedding a tear over there Florin Josef Zoon Scott Carson God bless him. Uh, among those leaving, were there any of those who you were particularly disappointed to see head out the Pride Park door? Not massively, if I'm being honest. If you could have um, kept Scott Carson, you'd be happy. Uh, yeah, well, I, well, that was I, never going to happen. I, I've always thought Scott Carson was a very good goalkeeper, uh, but he's obviously been out on loan for the last 18 months. So, yeah, fine. He was obviously out of the way. Um, Scott Malone, we had enough left backs already in the club because we've got uh, Buchanan and we've got Forsyth. So, again, not really needed. Uh, Marriott, just a what-if story, isn't it, with him? Uh, Waghorn, fantastic. Two goals in the last day to save us and he'll always be remembered for that so fondly. But again, for £5 million, let's face it, he's flattered to deceive over the, the last sort of two or three years that he's been at the club. So, I, I understand totally why he's gone to Coventry. He needs to get himself another contract and get on with his career. So, I don't actually think Derby have lost. And I think actually one of the good things and the, the reasons for optimism could be the fact that Derby needed a big reset and we've now got that reset and it's been forced upon us but as you say Kutch actually Billy Davis George Burley seasons for the playoffs we needed a big ta- transition and change over there and Derby have needed that for a few years and have been too scared to do it it's now being forced upon us so I think I think you're right about the reset we did need it Waghorn considering the situation we're in I'd rather we'd be able to keep him but I fully understand why 
I'm surprised as many of the players out of contract have hung around as as they have, and and the and the trials have hung around. They obviously don't have other offers, but um, I don't blame Wagon for walking and, and making sure he's got a, got another contract because he's certainly young enough. But in terms of that reset. It's, it's really important we do need a reset so it's good that we could clear the books uh in in some regard to get wage bills off and we can reinvest but we're not reinvesting well we're not reinvesting at all yet but when we do get to reinvest currently we're not reinvesting from a position of strength like a lot of those trialists who will come on to pretty bang average championship players and unwanted there's a reason why they'd be on trial with us for three or four weeks with no contract being offered at a club which is in a, in a shambles because other clubs aren't offering them contracts and there's a reason for that so uh, there are a couple of players we will come on to that I think could do a job for us, but it's not that exciting. So the reset's important, but I'd, if we're going to reset, you want to be investing in exciting young players from League Two and League One, and you know almost going back to what Nigel Clough kind of did with, with mixed results, rather than picking up for what you'd probably describe as championship journeymen. Yeah, so the situation as I understand it, me and Anton, I'm trying to work this out before, is that Derby can register a squad of 23 players and um, it's up for debate how many players of professional standing we have at the moment. But the general consensus is that as we've had the embargo partially lifted, we can sign maybe four, possibly five, but more realistically four. There's four who we can bring in. There's significantly more than that on trial. So in no particular order, you've got uh, the likes of Phil Jagielka, uh, nearly 600 career appearances, 40 England caps, but at 38, he's three years older than our manager. Um, Sam Baldock, been around the block, experienced striker, 100 career goals, but now 32. Uh, Sonny Aluko, as Tom said there, also 32, lots of experience. Tom Carroll, who Derby fans will remember from a particularly unmemorable loan spell of three or four games about a decade ago. A player Swansea once paid four and a half million pounds for, only four years ago. Only 29, but his career does seem to have stalled a bit, although he has had injury problems as well, I think. And then most intriguingly of all is Ravel Morrison as well. And then on top of that, you've also got the likes of Curtis Davis and Andre Wisdom, whose contracts did expire, but have continued to train with Derby, as well as some other names. Uh, goalkeeper Ryan Alsop, Richard Stearman, who... I look at him, he's five years younger than Jagielka, but he looks about 15 years older. <laughs> but if we can only sign four, is there a definite four you go for from those that selection of names I've given you there? So for me, Tom Carroll's top of the list. Uh, because, really? Yeah, because I think particularly with Jason Knight's injury, we need bodies in midfield. I think we need added experience in midfield because Bird and Knight are still inconsistent. I hope both of them can kick on this season and Sibley. Um, but I think Tom, I think Tom Carroll's a, a proper, neat and tidy championship midfielder that can actually bring something a little bit different to our to our midfield. And it's more by default, but I'm not that impressed by any others. Can, Phil, can I ask you a question there, just to cut in? We haven't got any centre backs. Yeah, well, Phil Jagielka's second. I'm allowed four. I mean, so if if you've got, but surely if you're signing one of Carroll or Jagielka, Jagielka's got to be first. We haven't got a centre back. Yeah, I'm allowed all four, so it doesn't really matter in what order. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, Phil Jagielka is my second one again. For me, he's like can almost dovetail with. You want? To, I don't think you'd want to play him with Curtis Davis. Um, might not have any choice. Well, yeah, you might not have any choice, but Phil Jagielka certainly would sign. Um, experience, a leader. We need leaders in this team for the season we've got coming up. You know, my hope is that we are able to get Ted and Mengi on loan again, or if not him, another young mobile defender, because we're going we're gonna to need one alongside either Curtis Davis or Phil Jagielka. Um, Ravel Morrison, we'll come on to in more detail in a second. I'm not particularly convinced by him, but I would put him above Aluko for, for signing. And then it's between probably Sam Baldock or or Stearman as an extra centre-back, and I think it depends on what other business we can do or who we might keep. Um, I'm not particularly excited by Stearman. Uh, Aluko, I know lots of Reading fans because I'm from there, and they don't rate Aluko or Boulder highly at all. They're, they're laughing at me for the fact we got them on trial. So I, I think under normal circumstances, Tom Carroll might be near the top of my list, but I think our hand's going to be forced a little bit in the sense of there are certain positions where we need... I guess players mid, more mid, than others. Like midfield like is our strongest to. area, probably, isn't it already? Midfield. Mid, yeah, midfield is probably where we have most options, especially once Knight and and Bielik come back as well. Centre back is is the 
top priority. We need two centre-backs at least. Um, I imagine Curtis Davis will be one of the four, um, given his history with Derby and, and given his, his leadership qualities that he's shown over the last couple of seasons. I think they've said that he's going to get a contract. Yeah, so, so he will be one. I do share your sentiments around a Jagielka-Davis centre-back pairing, but I mean... Look at Italy. The Bonucci and Chiellini of the championship. Exactly, exactly. So it could happen. And, and if you've got Nathan Byrne and Buchanan at wing backs, they can cover that pace. Yeah. So I think you need at least one other centre-back on top of Davis. Stearman does give the versatility to cover it, cover it right back, which is why I think he could be a good option. It, if, we, if we're looking at centre-backs purely, I, I would have Jagielka over Stearman. But... At right back, we're also a little bit short. If if Burn does get injured, I know we've got Ebersaley, but I, I, I don't think he's, he's necessarily ready for a first team. Would you boys keep wisdom? No, if we're going to be if we're going to be brutally honest about it, no. If we're struggling financially and we can spend the wages on something else, then no. Um, I think he'd be a solid backup, and that's what he's been for the last year or so. But at the same time said 10 minutes ago, we need to have a reset. I think it might be time to say Andre Wisdom, you had a great loan spell. You've not had a great two years at the club. Thanks but so much. Again, he's got the versatility, though. And I think that's going to be crucial this year because right. we, we, we're not going to have a big squad and, and we will have injuries throughout this season. Of course. But also, do you then go back and like panic? Because we're talking about all these players and as Kutch said, they're championship journeymen. Are we potentially going to be able to reinvest something? And is it worthwhile waiting and being patient rather than just trying to spend all of our wage budget and I don't know what that is and on any players we need to focus on the key areas get some centre-backs in I would say and then maybe Tom Carroll who I do agree with you Kutch I do like but is it worth holding out and just being a bit patient until the end we of the month? We don't have time to be patient though the season starts in eight days. Yeah the season does start we, in eight days but if you team. get the essential bits in i.e. the centre-backs we don't need to fill the squad by the 7th of August we need to fill the squad by the 31st of August so we've got that extra time we need to the season's not won or lost in the first four games. If we lose the first four games, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's not going to be good. Rooney will be sacked. Do you think? Well, if you've got new owners, he should be. Well, fair. Well, come on to that, won't we? That's a, diff- <laughs> that's a different matter. But I, I think it's. I think the important thing for Derby at the moment is to get centre-backs in because we haven't got any. Um, so Andre I, Wisdom's a centre-back. But I also think that the important thing is maybe short-term. And I think Wisdom, if you think about wage, wages, and he was a £4.5 million signing, he's not going to be cheap in terms of wages. Uh, surely Jack Elko and... And well, Jack Yelka's not going to be cheap wage-wise, is he? He's 38. It's going to be cheaper than Wisdom. But isn't it, would... is, is it not the reason why they haven't signed contracts yet? It's because we're having to offer them absolute peanuts. Like, we, we can't offer them big wages anyway, right? We're, like, we've, it's one of the conditions of the embargo. Yeah, I guess so. And it's, I think it's, what, 11 grand, I think I've read. And yeah. I might be wrong with that one. But um, So it's obviously going to be a lot, a lot of money that these players are going to be on. I, I don't know what Wisdom was on. Uh, last season but I could imagine he'd be on more than what presumably Jagielka and Stearman but again I'm guessing here Um, and I just think that Wisdom has been in and around this Derby team for the last two and a half three years and he's never really nailed down a first first team position every time he's been in the first team you've gone oh yeah he's a great defender one week and then he makes an absolute howler like treads on the ball I think it's time I think it's time to be brutally honest and go thanks very much if Stearman can do a job for you for a year then that's rather because Wisdom's only looking for a what three year contract because he's significantly younger he's basically in his prime he's still actually ridiculously young isn't he I think he's always surprisingly young um, but so actually maybe rather than committing to three years with Andre Wisdom you go right we'll have Richard Stearman for a year because then hopefully we'll be in a better situation in a year's time to reinvest properly and look for proper targets this is this is definitely going to be a stopgap year whichever way you look at it so maybe getting a bunch of players on one year contracts that maybe keeps you up is a better way to go about it I, th- I think the point I'm trying to make and um, is exactly what you're saying there and if I have Curtis Davis or Andre Wisdom I want Curtis Davis on a contract as soon as I possibly can and if I can offer Andre Wisdom a contract I'm not going to offer it immediately until I'm really desperate and I'm going to see what else is out there because as soon as I can offer Wisdom a contract I can obviously look at buying somebody else because something has been sorted out with our transfer embargo, I can therefore offer the wages to get wisdom. I'm going to see if there's anything out there cheaper, younger, maybe for a fee, if that's if that's possible. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Wisdom is my last resort on the 31st of August. I can now offer you a contract. I'm offering him one. If he's not picked up by someone else, I guess is the issue. But one of the, uh, the other names I mentioned there is Ravel Morrison, as I said. Uh, just a, a, a real enigma of a player, 
although I think people might not be that generous. This is a guy who Wayne Rooney said himself was, quote, miles better than Paul Pogba, but he didn't have the work ethic of Gary Neville. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What a Frankenstein. I'm just trying to imagine a a player who's a cross between Paul Pogba and Gary Neville. My my brain literally won't let me make that. Apparently it's not Ravel Morrison. But yeah, Rooney said in a uh, Rooney said in a Sunday Times column in, in May 2020. I remember watching Ravel Morrison, thinking he had everything required for a player in his position. He nutmegged Nemanja Vidic three times in a minute in a training game once, <laughs> but he struggled with lifestyle and his environment, which is sad for him. Um, he's played in Italy, Mexico, Sweden, but he's only played more than twenty games for one team in the last decade. Could we finally find a home for this guy at twenty-eight, or? Will Rooney just be the latest manager to, to fail to uh, to get a tune out of him? So, although I said that he'd be one of my trials I would sign, and I'd stand by that, it, this is su- and I said this on Twitter the other day, this is such a stereotypical Derby County signing of the last two or three years. You think of Jordan Ibe, you think of Bobby Duncan. They're all different circumstances and very different personalities and, and different problems. But players who lose their way don't seem to find their way again at Derby. Derby have no track record in rehabilitating these players, what makes us and Wayne Rooney think that... What about CKR? CKR, I did, literally did spring... When you were talking about Mexico and Sweden and Italy, that CKR did spring into my mind as well. But he's not... He's a, he's a journeyman, but he, he doesn't seem like he's... Um, he has motivation issues. He doesn't seem like he's... He seems like he moves around because he wants to rather than he keeps failing or, or whatever. So I think, it's, I think it's a little bit different and he's... CKR has shown he's a real leader and look Ravel Morrison could prove us all wrong and he, well, prove me wrong and have a fantastic season as you say he's never done more than 20 games for one club I don't I don't buy into us being the place to revive him in, in the situation that Derby are in currently um, but we do need a bit of flair and in, in the Real Betis game didn't do that much but there was one moment where he picked it up on the left he played a, a really good long crossfield ball to the other wing right on Nathan Burns' foot. I think it was Nathan Burns on the right wing. Look, we've seen Tom Huddleston and Wayne Rooney do that for Derby before, but the difference was he played that ball pinpoint accurately and he played it so hard and so fast. It was like, that's the Premier League ball. That's like, that's way, that quality is way beyond anything else on the pitch. But does he do it once a game? If, if, if that's the case, then it's irrelevant. Like a player like him, if he's doing it consistently, would not be in a championship. He is a player that we've been desperately crying out for over the last couple of seasons, that creative spark in in the kind of central attacking position. And I don't think anyone's ever doubted his footballing ability. It has purely been down to attitude. But the the likes of Ryan Conway seem to think his attitude has changed. And I, I don't know how much you can read into training as a trialist over over the course of two weeks because I'm, I'm sure you, you're a different player in those two weeks to what you would be throughout the course of the season so I'm not sure how much we can read into that but of all people who could get the best out of him Wayne Rooney is probably one of those who can because they know each other from their playing days he's probably someone that Ravel Morrison looked up to um, and inspired him when he was at Man United so if he can't inspire him then I'm not sure he can yeah, I looked at his um, uh, just a few highlights from various games he's played in, and yeah, it seemed like Man United was a a decent spell he had. He, he had a, a few little glimmers at West Ham as well, uh, a, a good spell at QPR where yeah. he was man of the match two or three times. And you look at the highlights in that game; he's like he he is what Anton talks about. He is that player who gets it in tight positions, little flicks around the corner, little you know dropping into spaces and threading it between the lines, like good from set pieces you know he has got a decent right foot on him but look Tom we've already got one Mercurial number 10 who only turns up one game in five have we got room for another one um I think yes because if one is only turning up one game in five and Morrison does the same then that's two games in five isn't it (laughs) so (laughs) maths Um, yeah lovely Um, I would say that he clearly needs to be loved and if Rooney is the man to sort of put an arm around his shoulder because he respects him and he can get the best out of him, then then absolutely go for it. But as you say, Kutcher, I, I agree. It's a, a almost a Jordan Ibe type signing where we're hoping for the best uh, from a player who's clearly had difficulties and we're in a really difficult situation. And is this the right time to, to be going for that? But then again, he's an option that I would much rather have ahead of Richard Stearman or Andre Wisdom. So yes, I'd sign him. One that we put out for you guys on our Twitter. So our classic five-word reviews or five-word previews in this case 
for the 21-22 season. How are you feeling about the campaign, dare I ask, in uh, in five words? Some great responses on this one. Uh, Dan Letchford tweeted us to say, divine intervention required this season. Uh, Andy Northedge said, relegation is an absolute certainty. <laughs> uh, Neil Chetham said, ownership needs to be sorted. Uh, Chris Stokes said, positivity can bring great results. And uh, Dave Hansen said, I hope Rooney stays awake. <laughs> More on that later. Uh, but before we move on, um, before we go any further, we wanted to, to make a bit of an announcement. So we have, uh, you've probably seen us on our socials this week. It's uh, something we've been working for quite a long time on. Um, it's our fifth season, as I've said, of Steve Bloomer's Washing. We're past 100 episodes and we like to think we've built a, a small but dedicated core of listeners and that's why we're uh, we're now on patreon this season what's patreon i hear you ask what's patreon Chris? thanks <laughs> i'll edit out that little gap there. um it's a subscri- subscription platform where we're going to release new podcasts extra content in return for a small monthly fee and uh, you get that smug satisfaction of supporting independent fan created content like ours consider it like a buying us a pint a month perhaps or something similar so what do you get for your money well if you sign up you'll get an extra podcast each month you'll get early access to the regular podcast you can hear it 24 hours before everyone else and thanks to our friends at derby brewing company you can claim a free pint and a free snack at one of their pubs on us not just a bag of scampi chips either and so we're talking chicken wings we're talking nachos lovely that's right we're talking mexican street food at the tap if that's your bag and if that's not enough, you can even join our Fantasy Football League where the team who is top on Christmas Day wins a three-course Christmas dinner for four people. Incredible stuff, Tom. That is, that is big. Well, that's all of us then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a bit peckish now. Uh, anyway, head over to Patreon slash, sorry, patreon.com slash Steve Bloomers Washing to sign up to get all those great perks. The link is also on our Twitter uh, so the first podcast for our patrons is out in uh, in a few days' time. Going to drop that one. It's uh, it's one we really enjoyed. It's me and Anton did this one. It's a great chat with a, a Sky Sports commentator known as the voice of the EFL, who's covered some pretty special Rams moments in the last few years. Knows the pressure is coming from Wisdom. Lawrence! Oh, that is a stunning way to win it! And that is what it means to earn three points on your debut as a manager. Patterson. Martin! Out of the wilderness, onto the score sheet, Chris Martin! Mason Mount. Keo again. Oh, and a chance for Maria once more! He's done it! What you try to do, and this is the purpose of television, television football, is to take people to the game, you know, who can't be there. And so ideally, uh, you will say just enough so that people are guided sufficiently, but not so much that they're basically telling you to shut up. I mean, I, I think very few commentators strike that balance all the time. That's right. Anton and myself had a chat with uh, Daniel Mann recently. Anton, that was a while ago, so cast your mind back a bit. But uh, there aren't really many commentators who were uh, like respected by all fan bases, like Daniel Mann, aren't they? Like He's a commentator who was really at the top of his game, and he had some great tales about Derby as well, didn't he? Yeah, I had such a lovely evening, actually. It, it sounds stupid, but interviewing a commentator is just really nice on the ears, isn't it? They, <laughs> they have very nice voices, uh, but, he, but he also made it one of the easiest interviews we could have ever hoped for because he just had so many stories as you say many of which involved Derby and, and Pride Park um, and it was yeah a thoroughly enjoyable evening and I'm sure uh, our fan base will think the same as well when they, they hear it back so check that one out in a few days time and uh, in the meantime have a listen to this Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido Hi, I'm Curtis Davis and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing so it, it does seem a bit daft, really, to predict our league position. We normally do predictions. We are going to do some 
and, and then open them on the last day of the season and we're actually going to not lose them this time like we have done for the past two years Rooney's been pretty blunt about it he said that unless he gets help he can't put out a competitive team and if we can't put out a competitive team we're going down it's it's difficult to disagree with that so let's just park that one for now and instead let's talk about Wayne Rooney falling asleep in a chair because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the real hot talking point here do, do we really care what Rooney does with his private life? I guess the issue is that there was no suggestion that Rooney did anything inappropriate when he was caught with these these front page tabloid pictures in this Manchester hotel at 5am. But the facts are he is one of the biggest footballing names in the country and he's like a senior leadership figure yeah. at our football club at a time of genuine deep crisis. And he chooses to bowl into a hotel at five o'clock in the morning and fall asleep in a chair. I mean, you know, like, we've all we've all been there. Happens to the best of us. I'm quite. You would never catch me in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a budget hotel. <laughs> but knowing there are plenty of people out there who are happy to make Wayne Rooney look stupid, to make Derby look stupid, we're doing a good enough job of that ourselves. I know, and to enjoy um, taking advantage of him like, at best, it's like naive and really stupid. But I mean, has he almost brought the club into? disrepute do you think or is it just a bit of a storm in a teacup I I don't think I don't think he really brought the club into disrepute I think it was embarrassing for everyone involved it seems like the women involved kind of regretted the, kind of how they behaved and supposedly they were just whatsapp pictures which kind of got or snapchat pictures which then got posted elsewhere um, yeah it seemed like as you say it seemed like it was a relatively innocent situation from what we've been told it's probably blown out of proportion and I do have some sympathy uh, with Rain, Wayne Rooney for that but he puts himself in these kinds of situations he doesn't need to put himself in that in that kind of situation you know passing out in a hotel room in the early hours of the morning after being on a piss up isn't a great look to be honest um, it, it's not the look of a serious person how many football managers do you see you know you might you know, see a video of Sam Ardice down in a pint of wine and talking about bungs and, and stuff and losing his job as England manager but that's the exception like I wouldn't expect the manager of any championship football club to be caught in that situation but that was in a more respectable establishment <laughs> yeah and he was drinking wine you know I mean, out of a pint glass sure but, but I mean it's, and it's particularly galling where just what a few hours earlier he was saying complaining about the situation at the club upstairs rightly so and saying it's time to bring some dignity back to our club and then, <laughs> and comedy, then ridiculous comedy and, timing wasn't it yeah I mean in isolation this the night training ground injury the various other things that have come out this week are in isolation they're all like irrelevant and small small issues but as a collective it just brings a bit of like embarrassment and it just just adds to the pressure that everyone is under at the club um, and I agree with what Kutcher is saying I don't think it's really a, a major deal what happens and what Rooney does in his private life is, is kind of down to him but at the same time he's got to remember he is a a world-renowned figure and certainly within Manchester like everyone is going to know who Wayne Rooney is he needs to be a bit more careful and also I think he needs to have some better mates so who hasn't pulled him out of there um I mean if Kutcher was doing that I'd be pulling him out of there like really yeah I mean you've got no chance mate. <laughs> <laughs> you fall asleep on the sofa no problem <laughs> but um I just think he needs to I think he just needs to surround himself with some better people um I think he needs to keep himself his head head down especially if he's talking about making the club a bit more dignified and respectful and the fact that we need to be taken over and to to get ourselves into a position to compete he's not done us any favors and the night injury doesn't do us any favors as well but I think in isolation they're all irrelevant small small issues collectively it's a problem the night injury I I actually do have some sympathy with Rooney on and I I appreciate I might be in the minority here um looking through Twitter but I mean Wayne Rooney's only got involved with that training session because of the situation at the club, because we've only got nine professional players training. We need numbers in that training game, which is why he's got involved. And injuries happen in training. You you need that level of intensity, especially in pre-season, to build up match fitness and to build up match sharpness. So you can't say that players can't tackle. And if Wayne Rooney's part of the training session, he should also be playing as much as he can at the standard of, of the other players so it, it doesn't take much for you to go into a challenge and I mean given the size difference between Jason Knight and Wayne Rooney it doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to tell who's going to come out of that 50-50 challenge uh, the better so it doesn't take much for, for 
Rooney to win the ball, knock Jason Knight back and for him to land awkwardly, it, it could happen to anyone. So I do have some sympathy with him on that one. But Wayne Rooney isn't in great shape at the moment, is he? But that doesn't like, mean you can't yeah, tackle. Yeah, but like, if you want to get some fitness, go somewhere else to do it. I, I, I just think that he, particularly going back to the going back to the kind of drunken night outfit, there's quite a few players in that in our squad who have had their own problems with alcohol, and he's made one of them captain. And it, Rooney's meant to be helping them through that and setting a good example. And I just, it's just all it just it's a bit stinks a little bit to me. As I said, it's not the end of the world. Um, but as Tom says, taking as a collective. Um, you know, when, uh, the, the thing happens on the night out and then a couple of days later you have the Jason Knight incident. And in my head, I'm sure it's wholly inaccurate, but my head is uh, it's a sweaty and hungover Wayne Rooney running around the tra- training field fouling people. Like, I'm sure that's not what was happening, but that's he's not a serious person. And all these, all these things that happen paint the picture of not a serious person. And if we need anything right now as manager of Derby County, it's a serious person and that is not Wayne Rooney. Yeah, the player you mentioned there, Tom Lawrence, he is surprisingly... Derby County's captain this season. Um, bit of a bit of a divisive one. This there's definitely arguments for and against. But I think from my from my personal point of view, between being made Derby captain and if you remember, he got left out of the Wales Euro squad. I don't know what more extra motivation Tom Lawrence could possibly need at this stage in his career to to kick on and have a good season. If you can't have a good season now, I I don't know when he ever will really. But he's he's 27. So he should be hitting his peak as well. It's the last year of his contract, so he should be playing for his future. If not a derby, then somewhere else, playing for his livelihood. But Anton, it's his fifth season at Derby now. The first season under Rowett, 38 games, six goals, seven assists. Second season under Lampard, 31 appearances, six goals, two assists. Third season under Koku, his best season, 37 games, 10 goals, three assists. And then last year, when obviously everyone was awful, 19 appearances, three goals, one assist. Is it a bit of a now or never situation for him, really? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that we look a better team when he's playing well. Um, but he has flattered to deceive on on so many occasions that it's just so irregular that it, it needs something to happen this season. I mean, I can understand the viewpoint of some people who are, backing his captaincy in the sense that it might give him that rocket up the arse to to give him that extra motivation as you say he shouldn't really need that but my opinion on that captaincy is that you shouldn't be giving a captaincy to to improve one player's performance the the captain is is about the team generally it and this season of all seasons we need a leader to to inspire and to motivate this team especially because it's going to no doubt have a, a lot of youngsters in there with kind of not a huge number of leaders in that team so we we really needed in my opinion someone like a shinny or a curtis davis who's really going to motivate the squad to to really get the best out of it and and tom lawrence it just isn't that player for me. Yeah, I mean, some people sort of talk down the role of the captain and say it doesn't really mean as much as it used to. But in our situation, like the the cohesion and the leadership and the leading by example that being a captain can bring could make the difference of, of, of a few points that it takes for us to stay up this season. And with that in mind, Tom, it seems a massive gamble. Yeah, let's also not forget that, what was it, September 2019, he got behind the wheel of a car when under the influence of alcohol and crashed into Mason Bennett's car and injured the club captain Richard Keogh this two years ago I know that you have time to rehabilitate and you make everyone makes mistakes that's a pretty serious decision mistake that he's made there and then for him to be in, installed as club captain two years later I do have concerns about that serious concerns about it because I do question his decision making however he is 27 years old he is arguably our most talented player who we have signed uh, and can he lead from inspiration in terms of like his performances and maybe he can I personally might have looked at Nathan Byrne as an option instead of um, instead of maybe Graham Shinney but uh, or alternatively Graham Shinney but instead of Shinney as well uh, or Lawrence I think Nathan Byrne would have been my captain um, seems like a popular guy seems very sort of laid back down to earth uh, and he he's an example on the pitch I always think he's a role model when I see him play he puts every single effort in there uh, as does Shinny for that matter um, so yeah I, I, arguably we don't know what's happening behind the scenes but arguably I'd have thought that 
both Byrne and Shinny would have been better options of captain. I think I think Rooney's definitely this is a decision which is more about Tom Lawrence than it is about the team. And I think Rooney's made a calculated gamble or whatever on saying if if that if that's if that's the thing that makes him more consistent and makes him you know a 15 goal a season or even 10 a consistently 10 goal and 10 assist player a season rather than what the stats that you, you read out previously then it'll be worth it because I've already got leaders like Nathan Byrne and Graham Shinney and Curtis Davis and even you can put Colin Kazim Richards in that so I'd like to think he's also spoken to those players and go look you're still going to have to be leaders on the pitch because like Nathan Byrne would have been would have been my choice as well I think he's naturally he looks naturally like a leader he's fit he always he plays almost every game which I think is important Lawrence hasn't been able to do that recently but I think Rooney's probably looked at it and gone if that's what will get the best out of him that's worth a gamble to do because I can I'll st- and I can still trust on those other senior players to be leaders I think it's a bit of a gamble but if it doesn't work and Lawrence gets injured or he goes out gets out of form then it'll be Shinny or Byrne or, or Davis. So I feel like it's probably a free hit for the first few months of the season uh, to see if it's working. Um, I, I kind of I know what you mean about how people downplay captaincy nowadays, and it's and it can be really important, um, but it also can be pretty irrelevant. I think sometimes. So if it's a way that gets more out of him, maybe it's worth a shot. A few more five word reviews now. Um, Craig Nash came in with uh, "We'll take fourth bottom now." Uh, Daniel Warwick said change needed before it's terminal. Uh, ben Wright came in with a couple. He said as it stands relegation favourites and then followed that up with if things change positive possibilities. And uh, Totsie Taylor said on Twitter things can only get better. Good song. It, it was a good song. D-ream. Let's, um, let, let's de-ream ourselves. Let's make it a bit <laughs> more positive. The biggest talk about it is summer. What do we think about the blue on the home kit? I quite like it. Yeah, it's got a bit of blue on it, hasn't it? I mean, it's yeah. it's basically the same as every other kit for the last three years. <laughs> um, <What>? White. <laughs> it's quite like Preston's, isn't it? Right, give me some Preston vibes. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be a, a snob, and I do have a relatively recent. Um, oh, the, the blue away, the kind of light blue away shirt with Rooney. No, I didn't get Rooney on the back, but the blue away shirt um, uh, with thirty two red on it. So I can't say I wouldn't buy a shirt with thirty two red on it because I have. But I don't want to buy any more shirts with 32 red on it. Um, I don't. I'm I'm kind of in the school now where I don't really want to see gambling companies on on football shirts. I think I think we need to move past that. So, yeah, it's quite a nice shirt. I I'd I'd, I'd love us to change it up. I'd love us to get Puma back in or so, or something a bit more bit more interesting. It's all about interesting shirts at the moment. I think this is the more interesting one for when we've had for a while. But it's still pretty dull. I did notice that um, you can now buy in the club shop the uh, black and blue vertical striped 94 auto windscreens away shirt that is a nice shirt that's that's a bit of me that is i'm, I'm all over that you know it's not all bad that you can buy a nice shirt now and you know that's uh that's the real quiz um speaking of quizzes oh that was so seamless win lose or schnorr pre-season special it's time for this Have you missed that music yes. over the last three three months? I hadn't actually, but um, <laughs> you know you mentioned it. I'm very, very very excited to hear the edit. Good, good, good. Uh, so the rules are: I give you uh, three games, and uh, the three of you give me an answer. In that fixture, did Derby win, lose, or snore? The first one: Kaiserslautern away in july 2017 was that a win lose or was that the george vaughan what year was it 2017 second game fc utrecht in july 2015 so to start the 15-16 season was that a win lose or schnorr and then finally was this a win lose or schnorr uh, Barcelona at home. I knew it was going to be that in preseason <laughs> yeah. two thousand and one, two thousand and two. I think one Philip Cocu may have appeared. He may well have done. Have you got an answer for each one? Well, yeah, I've got a guess for each one, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I should know the Barcelona one. The other two are definite guesses, and the Barcelona one's a guess, but yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, no. Anton Kaiserslautern away, two thousand seventeen. Win, lose, or snore. I mean. Complete guess, similar to catch. I've gone draw. 
I've also gone snow. Yeah, I went snow. The answer was win. In oh, fact, wow. Goals from Chris Martin and Bradley Johnson in a 2 0 victory. Oh, that's so, my next answer out the window then from there. Scoreless. <laughs> FC Utrecht, July 2015. Kutch, win, lose, or snow. Again, a complete guess. Uh, put lose. Tom. Uh, win. I put win as well. Correct answer was win. Oh, yeah. Lovely. FC Utrecht 2, Derby County 3. And the. Uh, the, the score for Utrecht, who got a brace, was one Nasser Barazite. Missed that penalty against Famous, Forrest. Mm. Famously missed a penalty against Forrest in the last minute, yeah. So there you go. Um, so that's one each for Anton and Tom. And Barcelona at home, pre-season 2001. Tom, we lose or snore? Uh, it's got to be a lose, hasn't it? Yeah, I thought the same. Lose? Got to be a lose. Gutch? Yeah, I put lose. It was indeed a 0-3 defeat. A Barcelona scene featuring Patrick Clivert, Mark Overmars, a young Xavi, Frank de Boer, and a young Philip Koku. I went to this game, and all I remember is that Barcelona absolutely took the piss. <laughs> <laughs> As you'd rightly expect. It is like absolute, they gave us an absolute schooling. It was embarrassing, even for a preseason game. And that is, uh, well, that's it. That's it for the preseason Steve Bloomer's washing, washing special. Any other business, chaps? No, uh, just good to see you all in person again. Looking forward to seeing more of these in person and um, looking forward to getting to a few games. Yeah. Really looking forward to fans being in the ground uh, next week. I think it'll make a big difference to, to Derby and a big difference to us. And as Anton said in the pod, um, there seems to be a bit of togetherness from the from the supporters on social media, a lot more sort of like, there's a realisation of how desperate the situation is. I think we'll pull, pull together. Gallo's humour always wins out. So looking forward to going to my first game. Just a matter of days, Anton, before... Derby get booed off at half time <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we, we, none of us can make it next week but I hope everyone that does go to Pride Park has a has an amazing time I, I can't wait to get back to Pride Park myself hopefully it's a it's a decent game at least I, I'm not holding up too much hope but you never know well fingers crossed well that's it thanks for tuning in don't forget to uh, have a look at our Patreon as I said we're really pleased and excited about that and we do think you'll like it say goodbye Richard goodbye Richard Say goodbye, Thomas. <laughs> All the best. Say goodbye, Anton. Goodbye, Anton. Come on, Darby. Goodbye.